0: welcome to Rate That Album, the back-and-forth podcast album review for music that we do every week, usually. Uh, This is myself, Paul Muad'Dib, giving an absolutely terrible intro with my good buddy, Joe Fremming. Joe, how are you today? Well, Paul, you know, it's complicated living in a bell jar. It is complicated living in a bell jar. Uh, You know, you and... Fucking Sylvia Plath, my friend Um, (laughs) We are doing The Bangles uh, Everything This is a band that honestly, Joe I wanted to get to years ago When we were doing this podcast And we're just getting to them now Um, And I feel like that's somewhat of a shame Um, You mentioned a little bit Last week that you are A fan, you actually love The Bangles I love The Bangles No, talk to me about like your introduction and everything about the bangles and what you know
1: well i mean i think our generation we all got introduced to them by the walk like an egyptian video and song um and then yeah then you know i didn't really think of them until like i was like in my 20s and working at record stores and like i popped in their greatest hits i was like jesus it's like one banger after the next so i just Fell right into it, and plus, that's I had seen their behind the music on VH1 because every band got one of those in the late '90s, early 2000s, and so I know a little bit, but I don't. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen that in like twenty odd years, so I don't remember a whole lot. But yeah, I just love them. I love like the Bangles, the Go Go's, the Runaways. I'm just yeah. We all know by now that I really love uh, women pop singers and. So, yeah, this was right up my alley.
0: Awesome. So, for me, I grew up with two older sisters. So, actually, I knew of the Bangles from their Manic Monday video. Because my sisters were really, really into – both my sisters were really into the Bangles. And so, like, everything, like, the Manic Monday, Walk Like an Egyptian – um i mean their their greatest hits really is just banger after banger after banger there is a lot though that is like super interesting to me about the bangles that i think it's because they only did 3 proper albums in their heyday that they kind of were left behind and i think if they had gotten maybe one or two more albums out of them because they were together from ni- from 1981 uh to 1989 but for the first five years they were really more of a touring kind of band and once they in 1986 once prince helped write uh, manic monday and um I'll, I'll get to a little bit more there that kind of opened the door for them because They had a song called um, going down the Liverpool, which was written originally by Kimberly Rue of um, Katrina and the Raves. And she gave it to, uh, to them. Um, And Leonard Nimoy was in the video because Hoff's family was friends with the Nimoy family. So as a favor, to Susanna Hoffs, Leonard Nimoy's in this. So that gets them some cred. And then Prince in 1986, that was in 1984. But then they started touring for Sidney Lopper, which got them more attention. And then Prince had written Manic Monday for the Apollonia six. And that went to shit. That's a whole nother story. We'll get to another time. And gave them manic Monday and it was went on to become, um, the number two hit. Um, and it was outsold at the time, but it was only outsold by Prince's kiss. So really in 1986, the two top songs, uh, in the U S UK and Germany were Prince songs really interesting. I mean, that guy was just a beast.
1: Yeah. So- up until he died, he was such a prolific, <clears throat> musician, songwriter, like the vault of his is massive. Uh they'll be releasing albums of his that he never released for years. But mm-hmm. you know, who knows the quality of that shit? <laughs> Again, like you can record a lot. Like Brian Eno records a lot. Neil Young records a lot, but not all of it's the cream of the crop, if you will. But yeah, Prince was a beast in the eighties and into the nineties. Uh,
0: yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely a beast. So the bangles put out like, again, their three major albums were just fantastic. Now the band started with Suzanne Hoffs, Debbie Peterson, Annette. Z- I cannot pronounce her last name, dude, uh, Zanakis and Frank and Vicki Peterson. Vicki and Debbie were sisters. um, Annette left pretty early, um, and my uh, Michael Steele, um, whose real name is was also known as Mickey Steele, um, who played with the Runaways, left. That her real name was Susan Thomas. She was with the Runaways and left right before the Runaways in 1975
1: put out their big hit. Yeah, and no it was gamer
0: though. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah Yeah. yeah
1: it was a real piece of shit so
0: yeah um so um what happened was they bailed and she bailed and joined them i'm gonna talk a lot about her going as we get through things what people a lot of people don't know about the bangles were that each one of them was a songwriter and a singer And Susanna Hoff gets kind of the credit for being the lead singer of the group. And especially on this album with in your room, eternal flame and some of the other music videos, they really centered around Hoffs and this caused a shit ton of friction. And they fucking broke up. Hoffs did a solo thing. Vicki Peterson went off to join the, the continental drifters and became a fill in for the go-go's. Um, and really they didn't do anything until they came back in 1998 when Hoff's husband, Jay Roach, the film director was like, Hey, would you guys get together and do a song for Austin powers? And that's how, that's how their comeback started. And then Elvis Costello wrote them a song for their for their 2001 release, Doll Revolution. They were kind of touring. Um, Michael Steele left, and was replaced again by the member who um, left, which was Annette. So it's really been like the same five people, unlike people kind of traveling, coming out in some of the other bands we had. Um, There's a lot of things there. Their last album was Sweetheart of the Sun put out in 2011. The main reason why Steele left was because everyone else had families kind of going and life, and she was still – Doing wanting to do music and she was working on like a solo album, much like um Oftimir, but unlike Oftimore finally getting one out after 10 years, still never got hers out. And so she was all in, and everyone else was kind of hemming and hawing on what the touring was gonna be. So she said, Fuck this. If you guys aren't serious about this, I'm out. And she retired from music completely, unfortunately. Um, so that's kind of the whole story of the bangles and we're getting into their final breakup album, which is everything. Um, I guess, Joe, should we just jump right fuck into it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with in your room.
1: Yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is dynamite song and this is going to be the common theme for me because you know i know that they had the friction because susanna hoffs was seen as the lead singer it's her songs that were all that pretty much all the hits she is the strongest singer in the band so it's it i can see the frustration of everybody involved i can i can empathize but she is the strongest singer like she's not playing the drums because everybody needs to be a doing everything you know so that was kind of my gripe when it gets into like because a lot of these songs would be a lot stronger if she was on
0: the main vocals in my opinion mm-hmm. um i put down i mean straight up joe in your room is an 80s banger right yeah. <laughs> it it's, is an 80s banger it's a great song yeah it's a horny song too it is a horny song it's a horny song now interesting thing is um Elizabeth Hoff's there was a story that went around where she sang nude for most of this album and Susanna Hobbs. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Susanna. Hobbs. What did I say? Elizabeth. Oh God. What the fuck? That's. Yeah. I was going to let it go. Then I was like, nah, no, 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 don't let that go. Jesus Christ. How the fuck did that name pop in my head? I haven't heard that name in over twenty years. Anyway, put your shit together, Paul. I know, right? So, Susanna Hoff um had heard from produce from the from the producer that Olivia Newton John sang all of her songs nude, and like just really owned it, and all these things. So she did it. Susanna Hoffs was like, "Fuck yeah!" I jumped in, and. She's like, I recorded the whole thing in various states of undress just for this record, something I never did again or before. Um, she, I was completely nude for Eternal Flame. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that that she did. And she felt like it was like skinny dipping and put her in this position of kind of being completely comfortable with herself. And I think it's really fascinating that that she did that.
1: It's also kind of skeevy of that producer.
0: Isn't it really? Yeah. I mean, mean, it's not, he just wanted to see it. it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gross. It's, it's gross. Yeah. But
1: yeah, that's, that's
0: disgusting. Um, so, but it is what it is. Um, the harmonies on this, Mm -hmm. this is something I miss in music. Modern music is vocal harmonies. This is, such a lost art and this whole album because i'd be doing it in every single song essentially the harmonies on these songs are so fucking good and it adds so much because to me joe i the one problem i actually have with this album is something that you typically have a problem with which is the 80s production style um, it very much feels like an album of its time. These songs are all classics, but they're not really timeless classics because of that 80s vibe to me a little bit. And I think that's what's kind of held back the band a little bit, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's just my take on it.
1: Yeah. I, uh, the production is very 80s, but I mean, it works for what it, it is at the time and what it is now. I don't. There's only a few times where the production really bugged me, but again, I'm also a, the production and you know having vocalists who aren't as strong as a vocalist as Susanna Hoffs also is, you know, a, my major gripe. But I still mm-hmm. I love the band, but it's still it's mm-hmm. there's songs on here where you're like, oh, that you're you don't have the range for this. Right. <laughs> you, you wrote the song, but put it in some better hands. Like even the Beatles would sometimes, you know, sing the other song if they weren't that good at it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's one of the big things that really held them back
1: But the harmonies Uh, too. But yeah, this is a band that was very inspired by the Beatles. Very. You could
0: absolutely tell
1: that. You hear a lot of like George Martin-esque productions, flourishes on here and -hmm. their uh, harmonies and all that. So yeah, it's very much, like 60s pop in an 80s atmosphere. And
0: I I love it. I love it. Yes. Well, the next song, though, Complicated Girl, to me, has this almost proto early 90s sound that really wouldn't be popular for, like, another five years. It was an odd one on the album, but I really like it. And this is something that I feel you're gonna this is a a Michael Steele song and this is something where I feel like again we live in the darkest timeline because we never got a Michael Steele solo album I would have loved it because what I personally think is Steele should have been a big writer should have been a co-writer with Hoffs and the Hoffs should have done most of the singing and everyone else should have done the harmonies but I really I mean this reminded me of almost um Of that 90s, um, the guitar kind of playing on it and things like that. God damn it. Um, not, uh, oh fuck. What was that band? It was a, a a pop 80, like right at the fall of grunge. It kind of became like this weird uh, rock thing where they had like bands like Delamitri and a couple other bands are kind of coming out. It felt almost like that to me. That's what I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then like, uh, I like the lyrics on this this song a lot, too, uh, mm-hmm. the production. But I think Michael Steele was a strong, probably one of the stronger songwriters in this band. So, yeah, I would have preferred. But, you know, we can. Mm-hmm. It's just what it was, you know. But I really like this song. And I like I, the lyrics. And
0: I think it worked incredibly well. Yes, I would agree with that. Again, I think it would have been stronger with Hoff singing it. But that's... Yeah. Again, the name of the game. We've we've addressed yep. that. Yeah. Uh, Bell Jar. <laughs> this is actually by, probably my favorite song on the album. And this was written by the, the Peterson sisters. Yep. Really good. Like when you hear it and you're like, whatever. But then you really analyze the lyrics of it and the song itself. It's so good. Yeah. And
1: especially if you're familiar with Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar. Exactly. That's what.
0: Yeah, that's what I've yep.
1: never read it. But like, I've, you know, I know what it. It's about, and I've read her poetry before, so it's like it gives the Bangles kind of like a, oh, this is kind of dark
0: for <laughs> yeah. a Bangles song, you it, know, it, like it's kind of dark. The Bell Jar is not a upbeat novel. No, no, not at all. And uh, you know, again, she wrote it. What was it under Victoria Lucas or something like that?
1: Mm-hmm, uh, yeah, it was under it. a pen
0: name. Yeah, and I had like I think a month, month after it was actually published. Yeah, uh, it wasn't long. It, was it wasn't not long.
1: long. She, yeah, she died by
0: suicide. So, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was it was within the year. I know that.
1: Yeah, That's, it was. It was very shortly after. Her. OK,
0: yeah. It might have been a month then. And, and like that was it was all about her depression, her bipolar and like all yeah. this. Shit. So then you're writing this song. And you have these lyrics like she dresses black because sorrow is a magnet. Everything comes to her like it was meant to be. But she's frustrated, leaving things as they are what she created, living in a bell jar. Fucking, you would not expect that from the fucking bangles. No, no,
1: but here we are. And it's, it's, it's yeah, this is my, you know, despite my, like, gripes, but, like, Susanna Hoffs should be the main vocalist. Like, this is my favorite song, and I don't think her singing it would have made it better
0: no 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 it's a really really good song yeah Uh, next one is something to believe in i did not like this song at first and then it's so unusual because it has verses but the chorus is just this piano guitar hook over a harmony this is my favorite song on the album yeah it got better it starts off pretty weak yeah
1: and but then, then once it gets in its own it really takes off i put that in my notes too because it's just like it starts off and you're like oh what the shit yeah <laughs> and then like yeah. oh i'm i'm liking it so it eases it way into it and again this is a michael Steele song i believe yes it is it is yeah, a Michael so Steele like, song. you know it, it shows her talents she's so talented as a songwriter all of them everybody in this band is everybody is super band. talented i mean they like, they all can do everything. It's fucking amazing.
0: It really is. It really really is. They it's it's unfortunate that they that they ended the way that they did after this album because there's just so much here and I really feel like maybe one or two more albums under their belt really would have propelled them uh propelled them both not only solo work wise but um as a band completely. I think that, you know, but that's People forget what it was like back then, how the fame was so different and it wasn't like it is now where you can easily, you know, you look at bands like, um, um, take the strokes, for example, every single one of them are doing their own solo work and they're all getting fucking fame for doing their own solo work and they can kind of do their own thing and they come back. That's not how it was back then. You couldn't really do that kind of thing. And, um, so then you get obviously Eternal Flame. Joe, go go ahead.
1: <laughs> this is I fucking love this song, man. Like this is like this is such a great ballad, and Susanna Hoff's vocals are so great. Mm-hmm. And um, I have you ever seen uh, the Comedy Central special for Zach Galifianakis? I believe so. He ends his <laughs> special with like a. Of all these women who are, you know, quote, unquote, his exes. And they sing Eternal Flame while holding up signs about, like, how much of a piece of shit he is. Oh, it's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen that then. It's fucking amazing. Like, I was trying to find it. Like, there, there's no YouTube clip of it. Ah, oh, shitty. Watch the whole special on Comedy Central if you have cable, and I don't. So I just oh, let it go I there. It's fucking great. I love this song. This is such a powerful song. Uh, you know, It's not as hampered by the eighties arrangements as some of the other songs yep. too, which kind of makes this a little more in the vein of more timelessy Kind of mm-hmm. kind hit. of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of, yeah. And you know, like you said, if they would have stuck around and did a couple more albums into the nineties, I, I would love to see if what they would have done in the hands of a different p- producer who's not into that eighties, shit you know maybe like a butch big
0: or yep no like I,
1: rick rubin maybe
0: I, I, oh man could you imagine them producing with rick rubin um i will th- what's interesting about the song is so this was written by hoff and um steinberg and um a couple of like they had some other people come in and help write songs and this song's actually about uh, the flame at Graceland. They went to go see it, and at the time, it was actually out. And they have this eternal not much of an eternal flame. Then, Paul, not much of an eternal flame, right? But they came back, and that's what that's what inspired this song to be written the way it is. Um, so. I would say I think that's kind of interesting that the best song on the album is is an Elvis inspired one. You uh, think ne- uh,
1: when they went to Graceland, they had that Spinal Tap moment where they started singing Hound Dog, but they're all <laughs> singing it in a different
0: key. I kind of think I, I I think they would be in the same key, but yes, I think <laughs> I think I think they probably did have a Hound Dog moment. Um, next one is Be with You. <sighs> to me, I this is weird. It just sounds like a generic Bananarama song to me.
1: Yeah, I said it sounds like Two of Hearts yeah I, very I, much I, I, of two of hearts it reminded me of that song my notes that it could be on the grand theft auto Vice city soundtrack because of the yes. 80s but it's weird because it starts with like kind of like the opening of sergeant pepper where you're hearing like background noises and stuff and then it goes into the 80s flourishes but i did like they had Beatlesque flourishes throughout so it kind of helps the song but yeah this is this has the stink of 80s overproduction like you know, into like my gripe about the tears for fears shit,
0: you know, mm-hmm. I said, it sounded like cruel summer. <laughs> it had that cruel summer vibe to me in a way. Um, and it, it just, it felt like filler. It really didn't. It felt like a filler song. Um, next is oh. glitter, glitter years. Um, uh, Another Michael Steele song. Another Michael Steele song. I, I love Michael Steele and her writing. Like, she mm-hmm. has my favorite songs on the album. Yep. Minus but, In Your Room and Eternal Flame, obviously. And Bell Jar. And Bell Jar. And there's a, maybe a couple more. But, uh,
1: yeah. Vocals aren't that strong on here, no. which is kind of like my complaint with it. Like, everything else about it is like, it's catchy and the instrumentation and the flourishes I love. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, It's it's kind of frustrating when you know there's a.
0: A singer who could pull it off better in that band yes yes 100 um and again this is where i think some of that you know why some of the breaking up came in the place because you had so many egos right i'm a good singer i can do this i can do that i think that really really added to it um it also has that nineties vibe again. The, the thing with the steel songs are they are so ahead of their time. She only had three on this album, but each one to me was like, God damn it. That is like four or five years ahead of its time. I really wish they, you know, you didn't know it then. I mean, hindsight's 2020, but looking back at it, you go, fuck, you had that and you didn't lean into it. Um, Next, you get all yeah, such. But
1: with the lyrics I like on this too. Before we move on, to that, it's, yes, the glitter years are obviously the past. Around when Bowie and T Rex are, and it's it's a story song. You know, yes, so I really like it. Yeah, yes, it's again. Yeah, this is like it feels like it. Even the lyrics feel like a like. I feel like she, she would have done a lot, been a really successful as a in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like that would have been her peak time (laughs) because, like, I hear, like, in her songs a lot of what would come with other bands, like, you know, the Seattle shit and all that. So, Uh,
0: yeah, no, completely. I mean, again, you got Denny was working at real hard down Sunset Boulevard back in 73. Why would we bother going home? His parents left him on his own. Who knows? Maybe they went out getting stoned. I don't really know how we survived the glitter years. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good. December
1: 74, Denny wrecked his father's car driving home that night. He was singing, you better hang on to yourself. <laughs>
0: right. Right. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, um. So next is I'll Set You Free. Another hot... Yep. I love it again yep. it's like uh
1: Susannah Hobbs only has four songs on here and three Each of them one. I love and one of them I'm, I'm not a huge fan
0: of so um yeah also I mean again for me the vocals are so good because it's it but the, again the problem with this one was it does have that 80s vibe to me that again really kind of dates it but the vocals and everything like it's this weird juxtaposition if it was any other band I think I'd be complaining more about that than I am mm-hmm Yeah, but Uh, I
1: mean, they're of the time, so it's like it's hard to make. They shouldn't have sounded so 80s. That's what was popular at the time.
0: mm -hmm. A sound
1: that they helped popularize, by the way. So.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So next we got... Watching the, sky. Uh, watching the Sky, which is another Peterson song. Very, it's uh, heavy metal-ish. Yeah, I, yep, I have this written, sounds like an 80s metal sound uh, with the drums and the and the production and everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I liked
1: it. I like you know, I, I liked the vocals. Yeah, it was, like, interesting. It was a very interesting, <laughs> like, song. I enjoyed it a lot, again. Again, you know, not the, the strongest vocals, but. You know, it works for me with this song.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely again an outlier kind of on the album. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. Next, you get some dreams come true. Another, this one um, being Debbie Peterson. Oof, uh, this one was rough. This one was rough. The harmonica I, was throwing me off, man. I, 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 yeah, I said. I mean, the harmonica was. I mean, the lead guitar's really good. Yeah, it, the harmonica. It, it, it's like we're getting into Boy George territory now, and like. It
1: worked when Boy George did it. Like, yes, Boy yes. George took care of the '80s pop harmonica song we don't need anymore. We
0: that. don't. Again, it's not something we were asking for. No,
1: um, no, we didn't ask for it when Boy George did it, but George did it well, so we let it pat. We let it go. <laughs> like, all right, it worked for this, and then more people tried doing it. Paul, more people tried doing
0: it. Pig fuckers. Um, it reminded me, God, there was another song that reminded me of. And again, I, I have been doing this the last couple months where I'm like, I I know I'm gonna remember by the time we get there, and I don't. Um, but there was something in the course that would remind me of another new wave song that was not Boy George. Um, make a play for her now. Uh that's what didn't do anything for me. Um, I just said it was another filler song, which is crazy because I think Peterson also was a really strong writer.
1: Make a play for her now, yeah. This was not good, but oddly, it's co written by Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. So we're back in some KISS territory. You know? We are back in some KISS territory. Absolutely. Vinnie Vincent's an interesting person. Like, if you ever have... I've, like, during the pandemic shutdown, when everything was shut down, for whatever reason, I went on this, like, big wormhole of KISS. Yeah. And Vinnie Vincent's one of those, like, elements of KISS that is so fucking bizarre that you just you just
0: gotta you you gotta check it. Like he has like a weird ass career. He do, I mean he's done a lot of weird shit. I mean he worked with <laughs> Wendy Williams. He worked with uh, John Waite. He worked with Dan Hartman. He worked with Treasure. I mean there is just black satin. There's just yeah he's a weird dude. Um, I watch interviews with him. He's fucking weird man. <laughs> oh I see I, now, that I haven't seen yet. I have not seen the yeah. interviews. I just know he did a lot of shit. With a lot of fucking
1: collaborations.
0: Yeah, like, yeah.
1: And they had, a, you know, his fallout with Kiss was pretty bad. Oh, so. was it? Yeah. Well, everybody, it seems like everybody's fallout with Kiss been <laughs> pretty
0: bad. So, well, God, did it's you not like watch that? like
1: he's, uh, like, unique in that, in that way.
0: Well, have you ever watched that Gene Simmons fucking reality show? It was a shit show. Um, next, we got Waiting For You, which is the last Hoff song. Yeah, this uh, wasn't
1: my favorite either. Like, these last <laughs> few songs... Uh, after Washing the Sky, are just filler? Yes. Didn't yeah,
0: you? yeah. I mean, Waiting for You, I believe, was a single. Um,
1: and all the
0: half songs turn out to be a single. All the singles, <laughs> but yeah. But it's not the greatest one. I still no. like it, though. I mean, it's still somewhat it's of a main. banger to yeah, me. It's, our- it's, yeah. And then Crash and Burn, I. it's, it's a pseudo... Oh, this was
1: bad, Paul.
0: This it's a, a this pseudo-punk song that... This was
1: the worst song on the album. And I love the bangles, but I would be happy to never hear this fucking song again.
0: Yeah. This well, was
1: bad. Like, this made me mad when I heard
0: it. <laughs> like, well, what's what's interesting, it was co-written by Rachel Sweet, um, who did a couple of things for, like, movies and, like, TV shows, music, that kind of thing. Um, and I, it... I... I uh yeah, it's uh, I mean for honestly though, I'm you know me, I'm a punk, I'm a punk fan. IMT, this is not good. It's not good, but for an ending to an album, it's only two minutes 30 seconds. It doesn't jarring album. for an ending. Like it comes out of nowhere. It and, does.
1: Like, the vocals come in and you're like, Holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the vocals don't work with the sound. Like I get so, what, what if this what, was done by maybe a different
1: punk band. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mm-hmm. I'd be more forgiving but this is the ending of a pop album mm-hmm. and holy fuck it's not good <laughs> it's so not good. the execution is bad it's the bad way to end the album holy shit paul
0: yeah it's a it's 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 a sour note to an otherwise really good album um let's talk about the aftermath for the album um honestly it was their number one selling Got average reviews, but it peaked everywhere. Um, it's platinum in Australia, Canada, the United States, United Kingdom. It went gold in New Zealand, Spain, and Switzerland. Um, it it just it did really really well in the UK. I mean, in the US, it hit number five uh, on the um, official charts. And I mean, the UK and in the U.S. Billboard, it hit 15. It is their number one I means Eternal Flame was their number one single. It did was the best song they ever did prior and after. Um, so that's what you have there. Susanna Hoff would go off and do a solo career, which was. I mean she has some and,
1: interesting stuff. She did a couple covers albums, like mm-hmm. four of them with Matthew Sweet.
0: Yep. Those yep. aren't
1: bad. Those are pretty good.
0: Yep. Absolutely. She did some soundtrack work. Yep. She did an album All Nighter. Um yeah, she, she was becoming a star though. That's she, the thing. Like she was
1: getting into movies and shit. Like like she was getting big and that's probably a lot of tension within this group.
0: hundred percent. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. She had ended up in 1993 marrying Jay Roach, as I said. Um, she, uh, she So she was kind of doing her own thing. And then, um, again, she was in that movie All Nighter uh, with her mom. And it was Joan Cusack and Pam Greer. Did not do well. The movie did not do well. Um, she did the When You're a Boy sound, uh album. Which only cracked the top 40, only charted for about a month, um, and didn't do very well there. Again, she started doing stuff with Matthew Sweet, she started doing the covers of Oingo Boingo and some other stuff. Um she, her mom was kind of a, a art film director. Um, and then, so she did a lot of sound work for her mom mom's movies. Um, so that's where Susanna uh, Hoffs ran off to, uh, Deborah Peterson. Um, she would kind of just go off and she was in a duo with, um, Sophan Meyer, um, from the river city people. Um, and she got married to a sound engineer and kind of just went off and did her own thing. Um, Annette, Um, she ended up kind of just doing her own thing. Uh, she joined, she, uh, joined a band called blood in the saddle, which didn't really get anywhere. Um, and then, um, came back when Michael Steele left, as we talked about Michael Steele, she kind of went off. Uh, she was starting with the runaways, did not get along with that band at all. Joan Jett really called her out, and Lita Ford really called her out during that time frame, which is another really fascinating story we'll get to at that point uh down the road. I really that's Lita Ford's such a bitch. Um <laughs> and she was working on the solo album, didn't really go anywhere. Um, and she was in another band that didn't really go anywhere and again came back and then left the Bengals after the revolution. Vicki Peterson, she went and joined the Continental Drifters, uh, which was kind of a rock power pop band, did get some notoriety. Um, and she actually married one of the guys um, of the brother of Connell Drifters and the Psycho Sisters, um, which was Susan Coswell. And then when the Bengals got back together, she was like, hey, I'm going to, do this again and she's still kind of doing her own thing i mean they never really got big but they all kind of kept in doing music i i just think again as we talked about egos and everything kind of just took them really really by it's just unfortunate again darkest timeline dude yeah (laughs) yeah So that's kind of the aftermath. Unfortunately, every one of them kind of drifted off into more so obscurity for what was, in three years, three albums, every one of them a success. And it goes to show just how difficult fame was back then compared to now. Because if it happened now, guaranteed, they'd be all over TikTok. They'd have all sorts of different careers in the, indus- in the industry. It'd be a very different scene.
1: Yeah yeah you yeah they did all right. I mean, Michael Steele was able to retire as a musician and live live her life, so you know it's not like they were they went to the poorhouse they they got by they mm-hmm. ended up as working musicians uh
0: yes, um absolutely, absolutely though no, they got by they got by it's just you know the fame was never really there again and It goes to show, that's okay. (laughs) They all turned out okay. Yeah, not Uh, everything has to be a
1: (laughs) a horror show with fans.
0: (laughs) No, and you know, uh, for the way women were treated back then, and a lot of the horror stories, again, convincing Hoffs to perform naked in studio. um, The fact that they came out pretty unscathed is a testament to their honestly, their fortitude yeah. as, as people, as, as, as musicians, as women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's the bangles. So that's everything you probably ever wanted to know and didn't want to know about the bangles. Um, Joe, would you recommend this album? Absolutely. I love the bangles. It's a silly question. <laughs> so I am, but I am going to put a caveat on that. <clears throat> Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. I haven't done a caveat in a while. It yeah. is. Full,
1: full-throated endorses <laughs> Porridge Radio. But
0: won't endorse. Give no.
1: caveats to the Bangles.
0: No, the caveat is if you are there, if you are at the store, you're looking at Amazon or you're whatever you're going to get your music or you're looking at like a downloads thing, right? And you see the Bangles' greatest hits and you see the Bangles everything, Go with the greatest hits.
1: Yeah, go with the greatest hits.
0: Go with the greatest hits. The hits like, are just great. And,
1: you know, the greatest hits also includes Hazy Shade of Winter, which they did for the mm-hmm. Less Than Zero soundtrack. Such
0: a good movie. Such a good soundtrack.
1: Such uh, a good song. I don't like the movie, uh, but huh? you know, I, uh. because I read the book. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like people who read the book typically don't like the movie. So Less Than Zero, you have... uh we going into the movie you have a 50 50 set 50 50 shot of liking or not liking it depending on one main factor
0: yeah the one the, the one thing i will say that i like everything versus the great because the greatest hits had walk like an egyptian going down to liverpool i'll set you free in your room everything i wanted following hazy shade of winter manic monday be with you eternal flame so it has a lot of the hoff stuffs right and I would say I do like the steel stuff, the three steel songs. They are so good and deserved more credit than what they than what they got. So that's that's my thing.
1: But the st- thing with the steel songs, ex- with the exception of "Complicated Girl," the execution left a lot to be desired. It 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 unfortunately it, uh, for you for whatever I mean, reason for whatever reason it just it felt like they just didn't put as it felt like a George George Harrison situation where, like, the others didn't really put any effort into their songs for whatever reason. Yeah, I I mean I get that, and I get, I just I guess I, Susanna house is like the Paul McCartney, so it's like all full stops on hers, and, <laughs> and, and, and Vicky Peterson's the Lennon, and like yeah, they they do the same for her, and then steals like George and. Debbie's Dem- 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 like Ringo like oh, I wrote a song about an octopus yeah. <laughs>
0: go, go, go away Debbie <laughs> no so yeah I think we both recommend it uh, yeah. I-, I do think they should have um, I think there should have been more fame there but again it is what it is so they're one of the biggest bands of the <laughs> 80s I don't <laughs> <They're> know <laughs> any of fame they're all over MTV no, they, they were but I'm saying like, the, like they were just really forgotten really quick Right, and that was the '80s, man. That was everybody. That was every right. That's what I'm saying. Fame was so different back then that I think they would have had a completely. I mean, they, we know they would have had a completely different trajectory. And I think they, I, I there's so much there there that it's unfortunate that it didn't translate to other famous bands when they weren't together. It's almost like a weird inverse supergroup, like together they were amazing apart it didn't work um almost like the beatles in a way outside of mccartney and even then people will argue i mean i personally love wings and paul mccartney um
1: so, uh, well harrison had the best solo album of the All
0: yes so All things
1: must pass is the best solo beatles record so
0: that's fair statement so there we go joe what do you got going on at the showdown? Nothing. Great. Right okay. So all right. So no plugs. Um, I'm actually gonna plug something. I am in the works of a of another little side project um of um something I'm gonna do based around conspiracy theories, Joe. So that may be coming down the pipe in a couple months. So I will plug that early and just so we have, you know, just so you can know, um, that's something I am thinking about. Um i'm currently writing out and trying to make happen so there is that
1: yeah right paul that's what the deep state wants me to think
0: (laughs) (laughs) fantastic um i'll give you more about it as as time goes on um all right joe this was a short and sweet one wasn't it yeah short short and sweet as, man, I should have done the other album in addition to this one. Oh, well, it wouldn't have meshed very well, but we'll save that for another day. We um, all
1: have to be epic WWE WCW fucking
0: filler ball. Right? Well, you remember with the rock and wrestling connection, see Cindy Lauper, which oh, they were just like <laughs> Start <laughs> your own wrestling podcast.
1: Keep me out of it.
0: Maybe <laughs> I'll do wrestling conspiracy theories. Um, Joe, yeah, what are we? <laughs> what are we doing next week, my man? Paul, we're gonna stay
1: in the '80s. Okay, Paul, you like Huey Lewis in
0: the news? <laughs> well, you know.
1: <laughs> their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. but when sports came well. out in 83, I think they really came to their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has, has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor.
0: We're going to do sports by Huey <laughs> listen the <to> News. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. You have that all right there. That's fucking... I Hats off to you, sir. Hats off to you. Oh, my God. Yes. Such is a that girl. a raincoat? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hey, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, it's such a good such a good mo- a book uh, the book is better than the movie honestly They're but both good but yeah <laughs> i like them both for different reasons for different reasons right yeah because the movie kind of takes a different way and it's a interesting different way yeah yeah, uh, yeah i look book it, it gets way
1: overwhelming with
0: the violence oh it's rough. it's a the, tough read it's a tough rat the
1: rat scene
0: oh. in the, oh god mm-hmm yeah. 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 It's well, fucking... murder member
1: scenes just progressively get more graphic and detailed. And it's it's hard to read. It's a hard it is.
0: It's a hard read. I will give you that. It's a hard read. Yeah. So we're doing sports by Huey Lewis in the news, huh? Yep. Fair <laughs> sir. Uh I am I am all in on this. Um, so which one was sports? Uh I want to look at that one. Oh God. It has a lot of the the band. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's, it's a, basically a greatest hits album. It's essentially a greatest hits album. Uh huh, uh huh. Yes, this so is. They the have an f- interesting.
1: Huey Lewis and the News do have an interesting background, and I believe some, like they've, you know, some members actually recorded with Elvis Costello before. So
0: we'll get into it. Oh, this is gonna be awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm I'm looking forward to this because this is gonna be fun. Um. Yeah, and a lot of this was on, if I'm not mistaken, the um, uh, Back to the Future soundtrack, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I know the Power of Love.
0: That's right. I'm I'm thinking Power of Love. I'm thinking Power of Love, yes. Yeah, I
1: think those were exclusively for the soundtrack.
0: Yes, yes, those were exclusively. I was thinking for some reason, I was thinking the Heart of Rock and Roll was on that, and it wasn't. Um, Back to the
1: Future trilogy, though, in my opinion, the greatest movie trilogy of all time.
0: Oh back to the future too. I remember, dude, the fact that they were able to go back and spend the time making that all work and seem like it was planned, so well done. Yeah, so I think, well
1: like, done. as if like they made it like when they did the original movie, like they had this in mind and they I don't know. I don't think they they
0: did, did not. They did not. So the fact that they were able to go back and do those things were really fucking cool. Back to the Future Three It kind of has an interesting production story to it, but it still works. But that's, yeah, that's
1: my favorite of the three is Part Three. I like the Old West shit because mm-hmm. it really kind of takes Marty like the you know the the other past stuff. Like at least there's something he can acclimate to and kind of understand. But in the Old West, it's just like when he pours on the wat the dirty water,
0: yeah, he's
1: eating the food and has like the bullet pellets in it and shit, like. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, no, it's really, really good. It's just, it's interesting because it wasn't the direction they originally thought they were going to go. So, like I said, there's some interesting production stories about Back to the Future 3, but again, it turned out really well, and I think, honestly, it is a great way to have ended that trilogy. Oh, yeah. There, There Plus is... Plus Mad Dog, Ten. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is a video game um, that is part four, Back Basically, to Future yeah, the game, all the
1: voice actors they all came back.
0: So. They all came back. Yep, yep. Um, uh, the but, 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 but. um, they I, every one of them came back. Uh, I believe some of the writers came back, and it... I don't know if Bob Gale
1: wrote it, but
0: uh, I think they had because they have to anything Back to the Future has to
1: get the blessing from both Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. So
0: correct. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're right. They got the blessings for it, and um. Now, Marty, because of the – I shouldn't say Marty. Michael J. Fox, because of the Parkinson's, couldn't do Marty for the whole thing. So instead, he came back as Marty's great-grandfather in the last game and did the voice work for it. But um, uh, uh, Christopher uh, Lloyd, who's done a lot of video game work, actually, there's a game called um, Toonstruck, which is a really great game that has features – uh, Christopher uh, Lloyd, but anyways, he was in it the whole time and it's actually a really great addition to the storyline. Um, if you haven't played it, I would strongly recommend it or at least do like a wa- let's, let's watch of it just so you could see the story because it is a really, really, really great story as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Better than the the cartoon they came after. Oh me.
0: God. Fuck that noise. Uh, all right.
1: Hey, I, Christopher Lloyd do the intros all the time.
0: So yeah, that's a good point, but still, that 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 that's not enough. Oh, okay, Huey Lewis sports. Alright. Joe, do we got anything else, buddy? I don't think so, Paul. Do you want to take us out, Joe? No. Did we love you? Did we hate you? Do you even care? Yes, you did. We're the best damn review team out there. How did we rate your album